Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. On my podcast, we talk about eating and cooking and living from a whole food, plant-based approach. And between my patients, clients, and my audience listeners, I get a lot of questions of, hey doc, how do I get started on how to set up a kitchen? Or what should I buy? What should I make? Is there something beyond a salad, broccoli, and a smoothie? I know in our fast-paced life and during a pandemic, it is much more challenging to be able to teach yourself and learning how to cook. And so I partner up with Listenable, who is a leader in audio educational courses that are bite-sized. And I went ahead and created a course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And in this course, I put in my best tips, tools, and tricks on everything that I've learned on how to get someone started to eating more plants, getting healthier for you and your family. I talk about how to set up your kitchen from the pantry to the fridge, the freezer, to how to navigate the supermarket, to what kind of utensils and appliances one needs to have, to what do we need to make, how to meal prep, what kind of cooking techniques there are, and what exactly is whole foods plant-based. And I'm able to make this course over 10 lessons. Each of those lessons are less than 10 minutes long. And you'll be able to finish this in an hour. You could even do it while commuting, exercising, or even walking your dog. And in addition, you can choose from over 3,000 plus original audio lessons created by well-loved experts. Just use the coupon code ColinZhu, C-O-L-I-N-Z-H-U, on Listenable.io, and you'll be able to get 30% off a year of Listenable. So definitely check that out in the show notes, and check out the course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And I'll see you there. Thanks for listening, and now back to Thrivebytes. Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for jumping on to today's episode. I have a wonderful, wonderful guest with us today. Her name is Dr. Paulina Berzinski. Say hi to everyone, Paulina. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me, Colin. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm super excited uh, that you're here as well. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Um, uh, you know, to be able to do this. Uh, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Los Angeles, California. Nice, nice. For those of you who do not know who uh, Dr. Paulina is, she is a general pediatrician um, uh, through her trade of profession. She has two lovely daughters, uh, one three-year-old, one two-month-old. Um, she has a husband that's a cardiac electrophysiologist uh, and What's unique about her is that she's been able to live in you know, different countries that has sparked her interests 
um, in traveling from a very, very early age. And she is what she has dubbed herself the Travel Mom MD. She's traveled to over 55 countries and hoping to add more to that. And, uh, you know, her story is very unique. Um, you know, traveling has changed a lot about, you know, who she is. And also on top of that, she travels with her daughter, which I would love to kind of get into um, because traveling, even though we are in a pandemic, um, is a huge passion for many, many people. So uh, let's start off uh, with this question. I love hearing about people's origins of story and how they you know, got from A to B. And uh, your story is very unique. Uh, let's start off by asking, what got you into, you know, pediatrics? Um, and then, you know, and we'll transition from there. Yeah, so actually, it has to do with traveling, no surprise there. Um, I was about seventh grade or eighth grade, I don't remember which grade it was. Um, and we took a trip to Venezuela. Uh, which probably be the only time I'll be able to see Venezuela considering the political dynamic there right now. But mm -hmm. uh, I got the rare opportunity to spend a week on the Orinoco River Delta with the Waro Indians. Mm. And we lived like they did. We slept in hammocks. We got to fish for piranhas, all of that. But and it was very exciting and it was great. But what really struck me were the children. Um, in order to get there, we had to stop in Caracas. And right when we stopped there, uh, got off the plane onto a bus that would take us down to another city to get us closer to the rivers. As the children there, they just looked so distraught, poor, of course, dirty, asking, begging for anything, quite honestly. And it just made me feel honestly overprivileged, even at such a young age of seventh, eighth grade, that I realized the first time in my life that, wow, you know, not everybody lives in a two-story house. Parents have a car, have jobs. Like, I don't worry about what's, what food's on the table, anything of the sort. Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know, whatever I do in life, I need to do something that helps other people to kind of give back the privilege that I have was being born into the right family. Mm. And to me, kids have always resonated with me. I just have always gotten along with them better. And I feel there's no better way of helping honestly mankind than helping children because they are our future. So whatever we can bestow and teach them and help them, that's the best thing that I thought that I could do for mankind. And I decided there and then that, you know what, I'm going to be a pediatrician, help kids as many kids as I possibly can. I've worked in rural areas and I've worked in inner city, like Brooklyn, mm. pretty underprivileged areas, you would say. Mm -hmm. And my plan is after residency, my plan was to actually go to, um, work with Doctors Without Borders, but then I got married and kids got in the way. So now that's kind of on the back burner mm -hmm. until they grow up. But that's definitely something that I will, God willing, be able to perform and kind of carry out my dream of helping the underprivileged. Remind me again what age uh, you said when you went to Venezuela and was able to work with that, uh, that, tr uh, that village? It was around seventh or eighth grade. Oh, wow. That's very, very young. Um, and it, it's, it's interesting because, 
you know, whenever whenever doctors or physicians talk about how they get to a certain point, um, sometimes they'll talk about, oh, I come from a long line of, you know, doctors or, you know, I just like, you know, I really, some story inspired them to kind of get on that path. And I think for, for you, what's unique is that, you know, you were in a different location. It sounds like it was remote. Um, and you were able to kind of piece together a life experience that wasn't your own, but able to say to yourself, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate, I'm humbled, and I'm grateful for the life that I was bestowed. But I feel like it's a almost like a duty or a responsibility, um, if you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong to be able to kind of give back. And I think that's very noble, um, you know, to be able to continue to carry out that mission. And of course, it sounds like life, uh, you know, ensued. So, you know, you kind of had to delay a little bit. Yep. Yep. Nope. Definitely. Let's talk about your, your, are you American born or were you born, uh, overseas or did you have immigrant parents? Um, I was actually born in Poland in mm-hmm. uh, Warszawa, Poland, and it was during communist time. So my parents fled communism in order to get a better life for me and later on my sisters. Um, and we moved to Canada Mm. We lived there until I was around 10 years old. And then we moved to upstate New York in Syracuse, New York, uh, which is around like five, four and a half hours away from New York City and five and a half hours away from like Toronto. So kind of like mm-hmm. right in the middle of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I grew up until I left for med school. Would you say your inspiration to travel uh, started around that age or was there something else uh, that kind of sparked that? I have to give my parents credit for sparking my travel interests. My both of my parents have traveled extensively. Um, in Europe, although also is it's easy to travel here. Mm-hmm. Going from one state to another is the same as going to a different country in Europe. So it's pretty mm-hmm. common for Europeans to travel often and also know different languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so they definitely inspired it. We always tried to go somewhere a different, somewhere new, even if it was in the States, there's so much even beauty in the, the United States, such a vast country, but they definitely inspired me to go overseas. And they've taught me that, you know, not everybody lives like you, just like my experience in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. It's very eye-opening. Um, and that just continued at a young age. And it just honestly, sometimes even spiraled out of control where I just can't stop traveling. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when I was introducing you, I, I saw over 55. That's, I mean, that's amazing. Um, do you keep like a run? You, I'm sure you keep a running list of, uh, of, of the countries you go to, right? I kind of, I kind of, I travel so often sometimes that I forget where I've even been. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing. Um, the only reason I even know that it's fifty-five countries because me and my husband were playing a game, and it had to, you had to list out all the countries into, <clears throat> and I counted. That was the only reason I knew. And if you asked me like two weeks ago, I would have had no idea. No idea. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. So you're like a you're like a wandering spirit. You know, for you, it's uh, detached from all those different things. Oh, completely. Just, <laughs> I feel like I'm in my element. I love to feel uncomfortable. I'll put it that way. Yes. Yes. I think, um, so for me, I'm a big traveler. Um, to date I've done around 35 and I've been very fortunate enough to 
hit every continent, including Antarctica. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I would, I'm sure you would agree that traveling really humbles you, you know, like you have mentioned before. And, you know, it, it, it just, oh man, it, it's just, um, it's always going to be that perpetual teacher, you know, sort of speak, you know, because you're going to be visiting different types of cultures, you know, trying to learn other languages, eat different kinds of food. And like you said, you're able to observe other people's way of life and realize that, you know, it's, you're, you're not, you don't, you're not the only one living on this planet and no one goes on, you know, follows your type of lifestyle. And from an American standpoint, I was born and raised in New Jersey and my parents are immigrants from China and Hong Kong. Um, you know, they, they instilled in me, you know, the, the value of traveling as well. And, um, as an American, I wish, I wish Americans traveled more, you know, um, you know, whenever I travel, uh, solo, for example, I would go into hostels and, um, in different occasions and meet other travelers. And like you said, Europeans are big travelers. Um, uh, Australians, New Zealanders are big travelers. Um, and so for me, it's like, it's almost like they have a different kind of education because they have the opportunity to do so. And I feel that from an American standpoint, we could afford to do more, you know, given that we're out, you know, once we're out of a pandemic, you know, to be able to increase our tolerance for one another and to be able to lessen the prejudices and the different, um, you know, sometimes uh, racial, you know, perspectives that we may have on each other because we just don't understand, you know, we don't give our, ourselves the opportunity to learn from one another. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And one of my favorite quotes actually kind of going on to what you were saying is traveling is the only thing that you can buy that makes you richer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it definitely opens your mind. And I completely agree with Americans really not being as adventurous, I would say, as other countries that you mentioned. Um, I know plenty of people that I grew up with that actually have never had a passport. And to me, that's mind-boggling. Yes. Like, yes. I don't understand how you could be so complacent sitting in your backyard. And yeah. I, and like I said before, I lived um, in upstate New York, which was only four and a half, five hours away from New York City. And majority of people I knew have never even been to New York City. Mm. And I just don't understand it. We used to go every year, minimum once a year. And to me, it was just, how can you just sit in this town and be okay with that? The the whole Mm -hmm. world is out there. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it's really taking the first step. I mean, not everyone, for example, you know, my family exposed me, you know, early on. It sounds like your family exposed, you know, you. So, you know, I would probably say, I would venture a guess that, you know, not everyone has the opportunities or resources. And a lot of it is maybe based out of fear or perception that uh, it's going to be different because all they know of certain other countries is what they see in the media, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, our media, unfortunately, is, you know, not that, not the most objective, right? So, if it's slanted one way or another, that's going to influence how you're going to perceive that country when in reality, you know, it's probably not that, you know, and you probably would change, have the opportunity to change those views if you're able to visit that country. You know what I'm saying? Completely. No, I completely agree with you. 
you know, when I graduated, I, I went straight into locum tenants, you know, which is basically traveling, you know, uh, medicine, not travel medicine as in, uh, for those in the audience that don't understand travel medicine is a separate subspecialty, um, uh, you know, to, to kind of treat, uh, third world international, uh, type of, uh, conditions and, you know, things like that, uh, which, uh, you know, doctors without borders would probably go and pursue more. Um, but when I say travel, when I say locum tenens, I mean, you know, it's a position where kind of like a substitute teacher for, you know, a teacher who is out, you know, and, and you kind of get to move around a little bit. Did you, were you, did you do any locum tenens, um, given the fact that, you know, you travel so much or did you just, you know, set up shop or work with a group in terms of theatrics? Um, I actually just stayed in one place, uh, at the end of residency, I graduated residency on Friday from pediatrics, got married on that Sunday and left Monday to Hawaii. <laughs> so as you're you like, can, get me out of here. <laughs> it's, as you can tell, it doesn't seem like I can sit very long in one place. Um, so yeah, we moved to Hawaii and there's kind of was limited for the locums. And so I was there to support my husband in his fellowship in cardiology during that time that I worked in the, the Kepiolani Medical Center, which is the children's hospital there and just stayed there for three years. Hmm. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do locums. And then I with two children. Yeah, unfortunately not. Right, right. Otherwise, that would have been right up my alley. You know, what inspired you to start traveling, you know, with your with your, well, she's not a toddler now, but you know, before it was with your toddler, you know, what inspired that? What opened that chapter up for you? Honestly, it started with selfish reasons and it, it kind of snowballed into something more as in, I, when I found out I was pregnant, actually, I cried for two weeks and it was mainly because I thought my traveling days would be over. Mm-hmm. Because traveling with a toddler, like you'd see them on the planes. I was definitely one of those people when you sat next to a baby, you would groan and be like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a horrible flight. Mm-hmm. I realized that like, wait, why can't I bring her? People do it all the time. Mm-hmm. So it started from selfish reasons as in, I want to keep traveling. I don't want to stop. So you're tagging along with me. And mm-hmm. then it tr- opened up into something where I noticed that she would change after flights and after you know, experiencing different foods and different people and not just sitting at home every day or daycare every day. She's, mm. her eyes have been opened up. She's extremely social, mm. um, all different types of food. We just went to, uh, uh, well, before the pandemic, uh, like a Mediterranean restaurant, Turkish restaurant, and she ate everything off her plate. I don't know mm. many three-year-olds who can be eating Mediterranean food or Turkish food, if they're not growing up with it, and have no problem. She eats sushi, she eats Korean barbecue, all of it. Um, and I do have to attribute that to exposing her to different cultures early on, mm-hmm. showing her that there's different types of people here in California. You have a good mix of people, but also depending on what neighborhood you're living in, Quite honestly, a lot of the kids here in this neighborhood that we live in are all just Caucasian, just white. Mm-hmm. And this exposure, well, you know, not everybody looks like me and people do things their own way. And that's exactly what I want, the values I want to instill in my children. I mean, what is what was your, what was the reasoning for that? Why do you consider that important to expose those values? Because I want her to have an open world. The world is such a 
huge, wonderful place. And I want her to explore it, not be content like the people in upstate New York who don't have a passport and don't go to New York City. I feel those people are very close-minded. They don't realize how lucky we as Americans truly are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't really notice that because you get really easy. You go into your routine, work. We're used to grocery stores being packed. Anything I want is at my fingertips, Amazon. I can buy anything, do anything. And when you go to these countries, you realize, wow, all the stuff that I complain about or get upset about on a regular basis is really wasteful and useless. Mm-hmm. There's people living in totally different circumstances and it really humbles you and lets you realize there's a huge world out there. And it's not just about me. We're all in this together, especially with this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And those are important things for me, for her to be able to understand at a young age that's not just about her there's other things going on in the world other people and you have to be open-minded and that's i think the best gift you can give to your children hey guys we're going to be taking a short break but don't go anywhere we'll be right back Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. I just want to take a few moments of your time to talk to you about something. Something that I feel needs to give reflection and pause for. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, I've been on the self-work journey for a decade now. And I remember in my personal experiences... Uh, through my doctor's journeys and also from traveling the world, I was always searching for the next step or thinking that happiness was a destination. However, it's not. What I found instead was that life was a process and learning about life was also a process and a practice and that the state of happiness and the state of joy and contentment was also a practice. For those of you who don't know, since I don't share that much on my podcast, is that I actually battle with anxiety, OCD, and in the past, episodes of depression. However, little by little, step by step, after seeking extra help, I've been able to achieve monumental things in my life that I've been eternally grateful for. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is a sponsor of this podcast. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. A couple of reviews. This is by... Rebecca Raymer. Becky has literally saved my life by truly understanding me. She has given me self-talk strategies and different thought pattern exercises that have made me stronger and a more aware person. I am so, so grateful to have found her. I've been to so many different therapists and none have helped me like Becky has. 
This is another review for Adam Johnson. I've had counselors before, both on BetterHelp and in person through work. And Adam, by far, is the best counselor I've ever talked with. I feel like he actually listens to and what is going on. He asks questions to help you navigate your thoughts. And you can tell that he is listening and wants you to help you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc. That's better H E L P and join the over 1.4 million people taking charge of their mental state with the help of an experienced professional special offer for thrive Bite listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc T H E C H E F D O C. Thank you for listening guys. And back to the episode. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. What age um, was was she when you first started traveling with her? Eleven weeks. Eleven weeks. <laughs> wow, you did you did not spare any time. No, Eleven weeks. <laughs> wow, wow. Good for you. Good for you. Well, before, before I, I mean, the, the, my, my, the biggest questions I have um, before I ask that is, you know, when you first started doing this and obviously, you know, it sounded like you, it didn't seem like there was not that much doubts as opposed to you felt like, um, you know, you couldn't do this. Right. Um, it, it sounded like your reasons to do it outweigh your doubts. Right. But I'm curious about, you know, people around you, you know, did your family say anything? Do you have any friends that kind of, you know, were hesitant about this because, um, you know, you yourself have traveled to 55 plus, how many countries did you travel with your, um, I, well, now it's going to be your oldest, um, uh, child. Um, yeah, we've been, let's think, um, she's been to Poland twice, India, Dubai, New Zealand. Uh, we lived in Hawaii, so we were going back and forth from New York mm-hmm. um, and New Jersey. Also lost, like, to California. So those are the places that she's traveled to so far. Wow. Um, we've gone to multiple places, mm-hmm. multiple times um, to those places, and Another thing about traveling is majority of those flights, it was just me. So it was just my husband was working, so he couldn't take her, take us and take the time off. So and I have a lot of naysayers. A lot of people think. Yeah. What do they say? I'm crazy. Um, I don't know how you can travel. The longest flight that we have been on was, what was it? 15 hours. Hmm. And doing that sometimes with by yourself with a toddler or a baby, it's really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. There are times where I thought I was going to cry more than she was going to cry. Mm. Um, but in the end, it's completely worth it. And now mm. whenever we look up at the sky and she sees airplanes, she's asking me, when's the next time are we going on a trip? That's amazing. Oh my God, that's amazing. Well, I think I think one of the things we underestimate kids. Um, I mean, I can't say that I would, I would like to presume we would like to underestimate kids a lot. Is there not giving them enough credit, um, to be resilient and adaptable and flexible and be able to kind of absorb and learn all that? Because, um, I mean, as, as well as you can tell us being a pediatrician, you know, the first, 
you know, they say that the first six years, they're like a sponge, you know, um, you know, more so with examples of learning a language and stuff. I, I would, I would, I would, I would probably say, you know, that's probably her equivalent of a language is traveling with, you know, so much with you. And it sounds like over time, she's been able to adapt, you know, very, very well, um, you know, especially with the food and stuff. Oh, completely. She is so adaptable. And that's another big lesson, I think, um, that it teaches them because you're out of your own comfort zone. She's not comfortable. You're on a flight, weird food, weird people, weird languages, like everything's not her norm. And she mm-hmm. adapts so well with it. And I'm just mm-hmm. really proud of how she does it. And I feel like you said, we definitely do not give kids enough credit. We have our own insecurities and our own fears that we, I feel that a lot of parents and adults do project onto their kids. Mm-hmm. They think, oh no, they won't be able to sit on a flight. Oh no, they won't like it. Oh, they won't like the food. But how would you know if you've never tried? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah. in the roads, but that's what life is about is going over those bumps, learning and moving on and learning something from that. And I yeah. Think that's in her. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, you know, I, I love to hear more about this. So, you know, I would say, uh, first things first is obviously going off of that conversation is, you know, if you have someone that is, you know, with a toddler, you know, um, whether they're male or female at this point, and let's just say they're a single parent, you know, it sounds like, you know, looking, perusing through your, you know, Instagram, it seems like, you know, you've been traveling a lot with, you know, with her in general. So let's just say you have a, or it doesn't have to be a single parent. Maybe it's two parents, um, but let's just say you're relegated to just one, right? So, what would be kind of like your first general tips in terms of traveling with a young child? First tip would be: if I can do it, you can do it. Definitely, if there are some challenges. It's much easier with two parents or two people, and but it's very doable with one. I've traveled to Poland twice with her. By myself, we've gone to different countries and or even um, from Hawaii to New York, which if anybody's traveled that, it's almost it's an entire day traveling. And some tips is it will be over. No matter how horrible the flight or anything will be, it will be over at some point and it will be okay. You will both survive it. It'll be fine. If she's if they start crying, that's okay. People can deal with it. Like I said before, I was one of those people that had like, oh man, a baby, there's going to be a terrible flight. It doesn't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just keep them active. I think quite honestly, the worst age to travel that I've experienced was between the months of like 12 to 18. Maybe mm. because they don't want to sit still. They just learned how to walk. They want to walk. They don't want to sit around in a chair. They mm-hmm. don't understand at least we didn't do any screen time for my daughter. So she didn't understand what an iPad was or phone or a, a TV screen to kind of keep her occupied. Now at the age of three, she loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, but keep them occupied as in toys or snacks. Like what I would do is I would give little snacks in like little bags. Mm-hmm. And every time it'd be like, Oh, a new snack would come out or my favorite thing that to keep them occupied is I would really just go to the dollar store and mm-hmm. buy random stuff. 
they don't need real toys. They yeah, exactly. Rubber <laughs> bands was a big hit for whatever reason. <laughs> I mean, you know, growing up as a kid, I was fascinated with rocks, See? ants, and dirt. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And that's all free. So there's you don't have to spend lots of money on her. A huge game that actually was shockingly like it bought me a two hours on flights is I asked the stewardess, the flight attendant, if I could just have a few cups and stacking cups, mm-hmm. man, what a game that became. <laughs> they didn't even have to bring anything. They could just, or putting pretzels or the whatever. I don't know if they'll give us snacks now, but before COVID, um, yeah. putting in like the pretzels in one cup and taking them and putting them in the next cup. Hours. Oh, hours of entertainment. Hours. <laughs> Amazing. What is your what is your opinion, uh, your professional opinion with uh, screen time, and you know just obviously obviously we do it because we want to occupy them and distract them, but you know from a pediatric perspective, you know do you think it's healthy uh, with you know giving like an iPad or some sort of screen um, for them at a you know young age? Um, I personally don't agree with screen time. Um, obviously right now, COVID era is a very different era than ever before. So she's definitely getting lots of screen time now, but I feel that the studies have, are pretty conclusive and have shown that children who do have extensive screen time at young ages, like under the ages of five and watching a few hours a day, Mm -hmm. they have shown that their brain is wired differently. They have delays in speech because children learn speech through looking at people's mouths at your mouth when you're talking to them Mm -hmm. and they they learn words from that children don't pick up tv and watch tv like we watch tv Mm -hmm. we're getting something out of it we're listening we're paying attention we're processing what is going on children kind Mm -hmm. of just look at the screen especially at young ages i'm saying like under probably under three where they just see a bunch of bright lights um, images on the screen, fast colors. They're not really understanding what they're watching. So it's not really a learning tool at that age. So I was pretty strict about screen time under one year. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to California, Los Angeles, where my mother-in-law would watch her on the weekends. And as typical grandmas, there's no rules. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of screen time there. Um, so I just kind of had to let go of the reins at that point. But if it was up to me, she thought that the that the TV in our house actually was broken. Mm-hmm. So she didn't get to watch anything on TV until grandma's house. So I do limit screen times. I do agree with the limitations. But honestly, I with this whole COVID era, and she's been watching a lot more TV, I am noticing that she is learning through the TV. She's starting to understand what she's watching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do so- you think... Um- do you think uh, things will kind of change um, from a educational standpoint uh, for kids um, because of COVID, you know, now that we're, you know, relying more on the virtual space a lot? I do. I think that it will be a big tool for people, um, for children, actually. Um, And I do think that there's plenty of positives on it. I know that in Japan that there's whole schools that just, work off of like laptops all day. Mm-hmm. Do I fully agree with that? No, because children, especially younger children, you learn through play. You learn by doing things, not mm-hmm. by watching. 
Um, and I have to say, like, even with my daughter, like, sometimes when she watches TV, she kind of zombies out. She just sits there. Mm. And that's when I'm like, all right, too much TV. We're done. You're turning mm-hmm. into a zombie. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it is a learning tool. And it all really depends on what are you letting your kids watch. Um, I would say going back to traveling, at least for me, um, you know, depending on, you know, what kind of job you have and things like that, things could be very uh, one dimensional, two dimensional, things like that. When you start traveling, I really love traveling because one, it gets me back into nature, right? Two, mm-hmm. I'm able to use all my five senses, right? And then three, you know, like you said, you enjoy being uncomfortable. And I think that there's a lot of growth that happens when you are uncomfortable and you are forced to kind of pick up something new or learn something new, you know, um, probably more so for your uh, your daughter because she's absorbing everything right now. But, you know, it doesn't matter what age, you know, and I think that, you know, with traveling, if you can get yourself out there, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be international travel, you know, if you want to start out small and, you know, just visit to another state, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a transplant in California. I'm originally from the East Coast. And, you know, I meet a lot of Californians who've never even been to the East Coast, you know, so even Mm -hmm. something as small as just going to another state, you know, if you want to work in baby steps, um, you know, no pun intended. (laughs) Uh, But, Give us a couple examples of challenges that, you know, you had with your daughter when you were traveling and what did you end up figuring out the solution for? Um, So some problems that we've had or encountered would just be like obvious, a big concern of parents is time zones. Is trying to, like if we're six hours ahead, three hours behind, trying to kind of navigate that. Um, I do have to say though, Children are much more resilient to that than we think, than we give them credit for. Um, She actually would be able to switch time zones much easier than I would. But Mm. it still was difficult, um, especially coming from Hawaii. Like if we went from Hawaii to Poland, that's 12 hours. So that's night and day or completely switched off, switched Mm -hmm. over. So that would be the most frustrating part. But I would have to say within two, max three days, she was already on the new time zone. Mm -hmm. Um, Other things is you know, they're scared. It's something new. It's something, it's a little bit scary for them. They're out of their comfort zone even more because they're used to home kind of doing their your own routine. And now your routine is very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nap times aren't in the their crib. Their nap times are possibly in a stroller. Mm. Or like the big, big challenges, especially if we're going to a country that we kind of want to sightsee or see things or not just be stuck indoors all the time. How do you navigate bringing a child, having them not be bored or their, it's their nap time. What do I do now? Um, and really you just have to go with the flow. I've noticed every time I tried like, Oh, it's her nap time. It's 10 o'clock. It's nap time. It always backfired on me whenever I was like, you know what? Just sit in your stroller, just walk around. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And she fell asleep on her own or whatever the situation may be. If the food she didn't want, she was crying. She didn't want the food that was given to her at a restaurant and everyone's staring at you. That kind of, and you feel like the heat of everyone's eyes on you. <laughs> you know, come on, just eat it. Yeah. And I realize if you, you know, you don't want to eat it, don't eat it. That's fine with me. It's much easier for both of you, and she's more likely to eat it. If, if you, if you, I guess it sounds like practicing more patience in terms yes. of just allowing them to eat whenever, you know, they feel like it, right? 
Yeah, it's just kind of let them do their, you do you, you do your thing, they'll do their thing, it'll be okay. You don't have mm-hmm. to be strict on it because it's just going to ruin your time and their time. Mm-hmm. So in terms of lodging, did you, um, I don't even know if Airbnb existed when you, when you first started, but how did you plan lodging and all that stuff? Um, really through the internet, the internet makes it so much more easier than I, I don't even know how people traveled before the internet. Yeah. Like I said, travel agents and all that, but still this is, um, yeah, there was no Airbnb. Airbnb was when she was born, but when I first started traveling, there wasn't any Airbnb, just like typical, like Expedia and this sort. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I do prefer actually staying in homes rather than hotels. Mm -hmm. I do feel like they... I don't know, maybe it's just my own mentality, but they're cleaner because not many Mm -hmm. people go through in and out of them. Mm. It's Mm -hmm. open. You have a kitchen, a bathroom. Um, If you're lucky enough to get a suite or those big hotel rooms, which I can't afford, I'm sure that's probably just as great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we have stayed in hotels plenty of times. And yeah, we just kind of searched the internet and found those. Mm Mm-hmm. Did uh, did you do any uh, VRBO or vacation rentals by owner? I've actually never have done VRBO, and mm. I don't really know why. I've been part of um, Airbnb for I don't know, maybe like since they started like ten years ago, and mm. I've had such great experiences mm-hmm. with the places, with the hosts that I just have never even tried other places, mm-hmm. other sites. Yeah. I mean, when I traveled, you know, obviously hotels is, you know, uh, uh, the normalcy, right. Um, when I traveled, when I traveled on my own, um, er, in my earlier years, it was, you know, with hostels, you know, just, just, you know, just for more cost effectiveness, um, the ability to meet other travelers and, you know, I wasn't traveling with a toddler. Uh, now it's, uh, I really like Airbnb because, you know, if you're not too familiar with the area you're traveling to, you get to, well, there's differences. If you do Airbnb, the host may not be there at the time or the host can be there, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's advantages depending on your comfort level that, you know, the host that you stay with, you learn a lot. You know, it's almost like, you know, your personal reference guide in terms of what are the good spots, um, you know, where to go, don't go down these streets or this neighborhood or this part of the city. And, you know, you learn a lot. Um, and uh, sometimes even better than, you know, looking things up on like TripAdvisor or something like that. Oh, completely. I completely agree with you. A lot of times when you get to an Airbnb, I'm sure you can attest to this. They sometimes even leave you like a booklet, like a packet, mm-hmm. top restaurants, top entertainments or attractions. And the great thing about Airbnb is you step, you can even pretend that you live in the city. Mm-hmm. You're in a home, you're not in a hotel or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 definitely. So let's see, we talked about, you know, flights, we talked about food, we talked about lodging. Uh, we even talked about napping. <laughs> Are there other things to look out for um, in terms of someone wanting to tra- travel with a toddler? Um, like we said before, definitely be patient, let things roll off your back, because at one point, it will be over and it will be okay. Don't think of it as a vacation, because it's not. It is a trip. That's what I've I tell everyone that it's not a vacation. You're going to be more stressed out probably than you would be at home because home is comfortable. Home, you have your routine. You have all their stuff, their toys, high chair, all foods, everything you can think of. 
there, when you're outside your home, you don't. But that's the experience. That's the fun of it too. Even troubleshooting. Mm-hmm. Um, be prepared. Like expect the unexpected. Uh, what I do before we travel for two weeks before our trip, I actually start writing down everything I need to pack. And I don't do it like sitting down on the couch thinking. Whenever I pick something up that I use every day, I write it down. Because even small things that you might not think of. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when she was smaller, we had to bring like our own utensils because she can't really use the big forks and knives and spoons at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And that's something I would never think to pack. Mm-hmm. But then I realized like, oh, okay, well, she needs small utensils since mm-hmm. she's small. So those are things that I do two weeks beforehand. I write down also like if they're in diapers, I see how many diapers on average. I usually do like a three-day average. How many diapers does she require in a daytime in the, within one day? And I take that number and then I just add maybe like five, six diapers onto that. And that's what I would bring onto the plane. And then I just buy mm. a where I'm, where I'm at mm. country yeah. and bottles and all of that. So don't overpack because yeah. it drive you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, about to say you can pretty much find any type of baby related stuff, you know, almost anywhere. Um, yeah. Maybe I would say the biggest, it sounds like the biggest piece of uh, luggage you would bring would be a stroller, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually we used to bring her pack and play uh over as well what is that um so pack and play is just kind of these like uh what are what would i describe it as it is like a pen um (laughs) like a kid pen it's a Um, magic pen it's it's like a pen but like uh no not 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 like a writing pen it's like um i don't even know how to explain it now that i'm thinking about it what are the words i'm trying to use it conforms into like a bed it can be like a a crib, they have a crib attachment. Otherwise, it's like a play pen. A play uh-huh. pen. Yeah, actually, it's a play pen. Um, oh, it's like, are, are you referring to the little chandelier of toys that drop down? Is that what you're referring to? Oh, no, 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 no. This is like a play pen, as in it has like four walls. Uh huh. Um, and you put the kids into them, like to sleep. Oh, the crib. Like, the, crib. yeah. It's kind of, yeah, a crib. Um, You can have it for like little kids. Like they have like a tiny, like a crib attachment. Uh Or you take that out for bigger kids and they they can't go over the walls. Yeah, yes, yes. And yeah, and that folds up. And actually many airlines won't even count that as luggage. Uh Uh-huh. We actually took that with us for two years while we were traveling. Because, you know, she, she, when she sleeps, she rolls around a lot. Yeah. And this was actually something that we brought from home and she slept in this for many years. So it was mm-hmm. actually a comfort for her. Mm-hmm. At mm-hmm. least everything's changing around me, but, oh, but I still have my bed and it's easier for parents because you can put them in the pack and play. Uh, and you know, if you have a balcony with a hotel, with your hotel room, that's what I usually advise people is try to get a balcony if possible. Cause then you have like your away space. Mm. So you can, after like eight o'clock, whenever they go down, you can hang out on the balcony and just relax, breathe, read a book, have a glass of wine. So you can also feel like you're on vacation, even for a few hours. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Do you um, research ahead of time the city um, or the country that you're at in terms of points of interest and whether they are kid-friendly or not? Or does that really matter so much? Um, Not really. Um, I I definitely research the place before I go, but that's for my own reasons. As in, I like to know where I'm going. And because I feel like when you do research and you do read or watch documentaries on a place you're going, you experience the place much differently you understand where these people are coming from or how this country is what it is today mm-hmm. and that's what i researched kid friendly i kind of really don't even know what that would mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how would a place be more kid friendly than another people like locals or locals anywhere you go i can't imagine people not liking children versus liking them in different <laughs> <places>. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a hard one. To, uh, I wouldn't even know how to describe it. I'm not a parent myself, um, so I wouldn't know uh, how to describe kid friendly. I mean, I guess I guess something or an environment that's more conducive for kids. But then again, what would that mean in my head? Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know. And actually, I don't want it to be that. I want to, her to be like a little adult when it comes to that. Right. For lack of a better word. I want her to experience it just like we're experiencing it. Like what I go to, I guess the only thing I would maybe research for kid friendly would be if we were to ever stay at a resort somewhere, um, which we wouldn't because I would just get too antsy sitting. Right. Because you're kind of like locked in into this, you know, yeah. all inclusive type of place. Like you're not experiencing anything. You're just experiencing nice i think i think you would be antsy (laughs) definitely would i can't i can't do those things at least in life i would just be like i need to get out of here right 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 awesome i think that'd be the only thing i would check for kid friendly just because if they have a babysitter so then Uh watch her and then i could do my own thing but otherwise country-wise or things no she has to go to the museums we go to the restaurants we go to Right. She's kind of, you know, attached to your hip, so to speak. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I definitely, uh, we can talk forever about this. And uh, I think you've given us a lot of great uh, insights um, into everything. Um, I would love to kind of close out. Um, So I love asking my guests this question, and it's a two-parter. The first part is, how do you personally thrive? And, um, you know, we've you know, honestly, you probably answered this, um, but I'm seeing there's like other tidbits or things that we haven't heard yet uh, that makes you personally thrive. And what I mean by that is, you know, what gets you up in the morning? What pushes you forward? You know, what fuels your fire, right? And then the second uh, question is, I like giving a action-oriented uh, a part from our guests to convey to our audience members. And Typically, I would ask, you know, what would be the three tips to starting a, you know, healthy travel routine with your kid? But, you know, you've already answered this. So maybe if you had any other other types of tips you would like to add, or maybe if um, you have any tips for the solo female traveler without any kids, because and during my travels and just within my circles, I find that females who don't travel as often, they feel more hesitant um, because they're female, right? So 
I, I, I want to see, you know, if you had any insights to that. Um, yeah. So I'll answer that question first, since that's the last one you asked. So it definitely is different for a solo female traveler versus a solo male traveler. Um, but just like the differences are being male and female anywhere. And research where you're going in regards to the safety of it. You can definitely look up safety areas compared to you know more dangerous areas. Stay obviously in the safe areas. Just be smart. Whenever I traveled by myself when I was younger, it was just be smart. Don't do things that you wouldn't do at home. Don't go out late at night by yourself. Don't go down shady alleyways. Don't make sure you have you know where your drink is at a bar. Something you mm. learn in college. Like pe- people are crazy out there. People will notice that you are a foreigner, whether it's your accent, the way you behave, or you don't mm-hmm. speak the language. And unfortunately, if they know that you're an American, they might you might have a target on you as in, oh, they come with money. Mm-hmm. It's a very common uh, perception of Americans, mm-hmm. thanks to Hollywood. Um, but just be smart. Ask locals. Ask people, people who've been there or... If you're staying at an Airbnb, tell your host, uh, you know, what are good places for me to go to? I had a great time being a solo female traveler for sometimes, mainly because you get to do what you want to do. Um, there's no, but there's not like a group of people w- that you have to kind of appease, making sure you know what that you're doing what they want to do. Um, so yeah, just be smart, stay in groups when you can, make friends. Definitely go out, but don't go out by yourself at night. And you should be totally fine in most countries. And um, I didn't know whether you had any remaining tips with traveling with a toddler. Um, so I think like I said it before, as in no matter how bad it is, it will be over. Whether it be the flight, whether it be the actual trip. And I have yet to hear of kids traveling and it not having a positive effect on them. And kids know when you're stressed out. So take it easy. Take a deep breath. Bite your lip if you have to. I do it many times with my talk, with my kids. So it's okay. It's, it will be okay. And at the end of it, even how horrible some of my trips have gone as nothing was going right. She was crying, all this, blah, blah. When I was done and I was sitting on my couch, I was like, wow, that was actually really good. Uh-huh. So, um, give yourself credit for what you're doing because you're giving them an invaluable lesson in life. Yes. yes. It's truly the best thing you can do is open your child's eyes to the yes. world around them. And it's the greatest gift that my parents give me. And I hope that it'll be the greatest gift I give to my daughters. Yes, yes. Because, um, you know, from my personal experience and uh, having grown up with immigrant parents and having a lot of friends, um, you know, in very similar situations is, you know, obviously, depending on the household you're taught, parents that are that have good intentions, they want to prepare you for the world, right? Not necessarily, you know, shouting, yelling, disciplining you. Um, you know, inside the household just for giggles, right? It's really to kind of prepare you um, through their experiences for the outside world. And I think this is a great literal um, translation in terms of preparing for the world by being in the world, 
right? Yeah. And like you said, it's a it's an invaluable lesson. And I feel your children um, or anyone who starts off at a very young age would be that you're just setting them up for success way, way, way ahead of time. You know, you just have like a really good head start and um, they'll be amazing human beings and they'll thank you for that. So that's the goal. That's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any last words in terms of um, how you personally thrive? Uh, Yeah. So of course it has to go back to traveling because it just, that's my, that's my beyond my family. That is my greatest passion. If you haven't guessed already. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I thrive is that I set myself a goal. Like I have to have a, I'm, I have to go somewhere. Well, except now with COVID, mm-hmm. it's been really testing me. Um, but I like to plan ahead as in, I have to have the goal of where am I going to go next or what adventure am I going to have? And I, that's what gets me up in the morning, go to work, especially when you've had a pretty crummy few days at work and like, oh, do I even want to do this? Mm-hmm. Or I'm tired. I don't want to get out of bed. I think of, okay, you know what? It's okay because that's one day closer to this next trip. Or when I go to work, I'm not paying for groceries and bills and the mundane things in my mind. I'm like, no, I'm paying for the Airbnb stay, or I'm paying for this extra fun excursion that we're going to do. And that actually makes me want to go to work. Cause I want to check off those days mm-hmm. and get closer to my goal. And for me, um, maybe just because I've been goal oriented my whole life, like I just need something to work towards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes getting up in the morning, all the the everyday grind, much more easier for mm-hmm. me personally. Um, and I le- another thing that helps me thrive is you need to be balanced. And I feel like in Americans, especially, don't have a good life work balance. Mm. It's very skewed towards work. There's you know you see those at those storylines all the time x percent of americans haven't taken a vacation all year to me that's insane Mm -hmm. how you do not take a vacation i know obviously different circumstances for different people i understand that but for other people they just you know i don't need a vacation i don't need to take time off or i don't mind working 10 hour shifts and if you have to do that for your family it is what it is there's no escaping that some people don't mind going to work or spending time outside the house or working on the weekends if they don't really have to just, and by that, I mean, they're working in order to get that brand new car or a bigger house that you really don't need 4,000 square foot house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like there isn't that balance as I feel as it is in other countries where in Europe you have six weeks vacation here starting off. You don't even, your employer doesn't even have to give you a vacation time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they're definitely, it's, I try to keep in balance. And when I notice myself kind of getting really upset or impatient or just overall, just grouchy for no Ooh. reason, then I realize, all right, something's out of balance and then I need to reevaluate and see what's going on. Yeah, I can definitely, uh, <laughs> I can definitely, you know, share with you <laughs> those grouchiness feelings, you know, it, it, it's like an itch, you know, it's like, oh, man, I gotta, I gotta get back out there, you know, yeah. so, and uh, it, it really, like you said, it really tests you. Um, but I think it's a very good, um, you know, if you're looking at the positive uh, for COVID is, you know, it, it gives you a chance to self reflect, you know, and um, so, you know, it's good. In, in, in some respects. Thank you so much, Paulina, for hopping onto the show and sharing 
you know, your tips, uh, especially in a very unique situation where you're traveling with your kid and you've definitely have, you know, shown us and shared with us that it's very, very more than possible to travel with, you know, your child and still be able to enjoy, you know, um, as much as possible, you know what I'm saying? So, um, for those in the audience that want to learn about you or, you know, find out more about you, where can they find you? Um, right now I'm slowly working on a website. Um, so that's not out yet, but I have an Instagram page. It's uh, travelmom underscore MD. I frequently, well, not lately in the last two months since I've had a newborn, but previously when we were traveling, I have a lot of tips, different suggestions, uh, traveling with uh, my toddler at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out. Thank you so much, Colin, for having me. It's been a great time. My first podcast, definitely <laughs> my last. It's definitely, yes. thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure, um, you know, being a fellow traveler, you know, to talk about, you know, just this passion. It's a, it's a never ending, never ending love. So. Nope. Once you get bitten by the travel bug, it's, <laughs> it's just not curable. Yes. Yes. And that's the type of bug you want to get bitten by, you know, yes. so. <laughs> yeah, that's an infection I don't mind getting. <laughs> Only positive side effects. Yes, yes. Except- uh, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, guys, this has been another episode of Thrive Bites. Thank you so much for listening on. If you enjoy this, please like, subscribe, and follow. If you feel that this is of benefit for someone else, please share as well. Uh, thank you again, Dr. Paulina. And guys, we will see you on the next one. Hey, guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.